Welcome to Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 113. Our Sunday worship service for April 21st, 2019 is titled Rise Up. It is our Easter service and it is the sixth in our series, Keep It Real. Life finds a way. Our scripture today comes from Mark 16, 6 through 7. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. I can't help it. I mean, I've read it a lot. Fairly comfortable with Bible stuff. Read it a lot. But it gets to me every time. I get filled with that moment. I think about what that means, not just in the story, but in our story. Not just what it means for that example, the ultimate transformation, but what it means for you and me, because I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you got going on. But man, oh man, there are a lot of people in this room, there are a lot of people watching on the internet all over the place who feel awful crucified by something who are waiting for their Easter morning. Hey, we all know what that's like. (laughs) More than once. More than once. But if that can happen then, if death can be overcome, whatever you got going on, you can get through because there's something in you that can do it. And I love that and I get shaken up by it every single time. Every time. But it's easy to get so shaken up that we miss some important stuff there. Because here's the thing. Easter is an educational opportunity. And if we don't take the moment and learn, life will feel like a continual series of crucifixions. There is an educational moment in there. And it's present in a lot of places. But one of the things that I really love is there's this line in there that that we miss. The gang goes to, that makes it sound like Scooby-Doo. The gang goes to the, to the graveside to anoint the body because that's what should do. And he's not there. And there's a young boy in the Gospel of Mark. It says a young boy. Some of the Gospels say it's an angel. It doesn't really matter for the purposes of the story. But what he says is really important. And it's so easy to get caught up in the big Cecil B. DeMille moment that we forget that there's this thing happening where this guy says, don't be amazed. And depending on how you read it, I kind of read it like, don't freak out, guys. It's cool. Promise you're not going to get mad. I know you're looking for him. He ain't here. It's okay. Don't be amazed. But it turns out those three words are the key to so much. You want a miracle? Don't be amazed when it works out. Life kind of happens. Even Jeff Goldblum says it finds a way. Life is one of those things. God makes it work. And if you want a better relationship with God, if you want a life that works, maybe don't be so surprised when God does what God said he was going to do the whole time. Maybe it's about making a little bit more room for miracles. Maybe life is okay. Now that's a big deal. Because there's a lot of people who use that word like some kind of cop-out. When something bad happens, something unexpected, when there's work to be done, when somebody feels let down, when... The bottom drops out. There's a lot of people that go, eh, that's life. You know, that's life. Is it? Is it really? Is that life when things don't work? Or is that a lie? As it turns out, you have a choice about that. 
Because God, with all of that infinite power, the whole universe happening right in this moment, God cannot make you decide to agree with God. That's how powerful you are, made in the image and after the likeness and all that. The miracle only happens to the degree that we allow the miracle to happen. And so if we are continually surprised at good things, but we are continually accepting of, ah, you know, it stinks. Well, how's life going to work in the next go-around for you? What's the next thing that's likely to happen if the whole sphere of your expectation is, eh, kind of stinks? Is that really life? Or is that what some people have decided to make of life? What if we decide in this moment, in this day, for this Easter miracle, that's our miracle too, to just not be surprised? I mean, look, I'm a dad. I try really hard to be a good dad. I'm still learning. My kids are 95 and 97 now. Still got some stuff to pick up on. But one of the things I learned early on is when your teenager does something right, look, teenagers are working through stuff that we can't even get ready to understand. I'm going to pull my mic up. I'm being told that's important to do. Teenagers are working through some stuff that that we don't even understand. And there's frontal lobe issues. And they have Facebook now or whatever. (laughs) There's stuff. There's a lot of ways to do it in a way that you didn't expect. There's a lot of ways to do it quote-unquote wrong. But when your kid does it right, you're not supposed to be surprised. When your kid finally shows up on time at the dinner table, it is the worst kind of thing to go, oh, you decided to grace us with your, your presence. I'm so surprised that you didn't screw up. Sarcasm is poison. Because what you're really saying to the kid is, I don't really think much of you. If you want to be a good parent, don't be sarcastic with your kid. And if you want to be a good child of God, stop being sarcastic with God. When something works out, don't go, finally you decided to grace us with your grace. Because how much room have you left for the miracle? There are some people that say, God is amazing all the time and all the time God is amazing. And I say, wait a minute, that sounds really cool, but no. I'm not going to be amazed by God anymore because you know what? God is Wonderful, beautiful, inspirational, and your life is a miracle. Think about all of the things that had to happen to get you to where you are, all that you have been through. Your life is beautiful. Be inspired by it. Be moved to action. Be thrilled by it. Be on fire about it. But for the love of God, don't be amazed anymore. Let it go. Just say thank you. And watch what happens when you make a little bit of room for this idea that life isn't a big letdown. If you know where to look and you know how to say, all right, thanks. Okay, it's rubbing against my tie. This is what we do in a, in a church where things are just kind of informal. He says, adjusting his tie. Is that better? It depends on where you look and it depends on where your microphone is. I read, it's very true, it's a deep lesson. I read in uh, National Geographic that along the Adriatic, in what's now Croatia, but it's been a lot of stuff, for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, for generations upon generations, that part of the world is a fishing culture. It's really important to have your boat together, and your whole livelihood of you and your family and your whole community depends on being able to catch fish and all of that. And if you were to go there now, just kind of imagine... If you were to go there, you would see that 
every once in a while, they, they make a big deal and they build a new boat. And it takes a tremendous amount of resources and time and talent and applying knowledge that has been passed down from generation to generation of knowing what a boat has to have in it. And it, it costs so much in every sense of the word. And they build this boat that they need for their livelihood, for their very identity, right? They build this boat and the first thing they do after they build this boat is they take it out into the water and they sink it. It's true. Now imagine yourself in that situation going, oh, this is beautiful. You guys need this boat. It's going to be really... Wait a minute. What, what, what are you doing? Imagine that situation. What's wrong with you? This is a tragedy. Why would you do this? This doesn't even make sense. You need this. And you're filling it with rocks and sinking it in the water. And it gets weirder because three days later... Wait a minute. That's familiar. Three days later, they get the boat out. They take the rocks out of it, they bring it back up to shore, they drain all of the water, and they have a big party because now the boat is ready for service. Now, you're smart. You have a sense of what really went on there, right? Because as it turns out, while that boat has been underwater, it's been swelling up and making a more perfect bond than human hands can ever make. As it turns out, this is crazy, but boats require water. And it, it's perfect. And they have a party because now it's ready for action. Look, you know, we talk about the idea of identifying with Jesus Christ. He said, the works I do, you shall do also. But maybe that's a lot. So if you can't identify with Jesus Christ, can you at least identify with a boat? (laughs) Maybe you've been underwater for a while. But maybe that's what you need to get where you need to go. But maybe it's time to come back because the party is waiting for you when you come back to the shore. Maybe it's time to take a breath. Maybe. It depends on how you see it. I'm asking you to apply the lesson of National Geographic to your life, but isn't that always the way? You want a better life, apply the lesson of whatever's going on to your life. The message of Jesus Christ, the message of the Gospels, the message of the Bible, the message of the whole thing is radical engagement. Over and over again, the message is go and do a thing and pray a thing and think a thing and go be a part of it. If it is real, it moves you. Right? That's how you know, for example, when you're in love because you move forward. That's how you know when art is pretty because you, you want to be involved. It moves you, right? Truth is defined by motion. So be moved by something into action. But you know that. You feel it. It's in your heart. It's all over the Bible. It's all over the stuff that Jesus said, for example. And with that in mind, it's amazing to me that people can witness the the teachings of Jesus and read all of that stuff where he says, go and do this stuff. Loose translation. I say to you, do stuff. Over and over again. And people go, oh, I get it. We're supposed, okay, got it, got it. And then Easter happens. And people go, okay, cool, cool, cool. He's alive now. And so the message must be that I'm supposed to hold completely still because Jesus picked up the tap. Think about that for a minute. In what part of scripture did Jesus say, Lo, I tell you to don't even worry about it. Just chill. When does that happen? And some people go, no, no, I'm not going to hold still. I'm also going to feel real guilty about it. Is that cool? Where is that in scripture? At no point does Jesus say it's good to not do anything. And at no point does he say it's cool as long as you feel super bad about not doing anything. Jesus said, go and do these things. And he sent out the disciples. They call it the Great Commission. He said, go and teach everybody. 
Go and sin no more. Go and do this thing. Go and spread the word all over the world. He didn't say, I want you guys to go out and tell everybody that they don't have to do anything. Because can you imagine yourself as a disciple when you go, uh, maybe we just stay home. Maybe we just get like a website or something. Because if they're not supposed to do anything different, what's the point in all this? But that's not what he said. In the context of everything that went on, we know that the message is to go forward. There's some part of your life that's sick of being underwater, and you know it. That's where God can talk to you. Find a way to listen. I'm not here to tell you to ignore the stuff that hurts. I'm telling you to really listen, because in and through the moment of feeling waterlogged is the moment of your lifting up. There's something going on there. If you know where to look, if you take into context the big picture, it's not always easy. I've had some learn the big picture kind of moments in my own life. And getting ready for Easter, I, I went through the, the, all of the important parts of Scripture that I've read millions of times, it seems like. Maybe you have too. I don't know where you went to Sunday school, but some people read through it and read through it and read through it, and I love that. But it took me back to a time when I was a little kid reading this stuff. And I got to that one part. Towards the end of Jesus' time on the cross, he says a lot of things. And a lot of them are really inspirational and really powerful. And you know about them because you read about them or you know about them because you saw the movie or whatever. There's that part. And man, as I was a kid, I used to hate that part. Where he's up there on the cross and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I remember as a kid going, what, what, come on, what is that? I mean, after all of this inspirational stuff, you build this all up and there's all this stuff about how you can do anything, about how you're salt and light, about how anything's possible. And he even warned the disciples, guys, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be rough, but all of that. And you get to that scene where everybody is just so suffered out that they got nothing left. And at that moment, can't you imagine yourself there and going, Jesus, I need you to say something. It's going to help me get through this. And Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in some Bibles, I don't know which one you've got, but in some Bibles there's like a heading on that section and it says the moment of doubt. That really bothered me for a long time. What about the, the history of what Jesus said and what comes next? He knows about Easter. What about what Jesus has said is made, makes you feel like this is a doubt moment? And it bothered me for a long time, but... As I got older, and maybe a little bit more mature, still working on it, I realized that there's something really interesting going on there. Let's first of all give Jesus the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> it should say the moment of the benefit of the doubt, right? But it's really interesting because I don't know what Bible you have, but most Bibles... You know how it is. Different Bible translations use different words for different stuff. And it, it doesn't seem to matter much about having the exact right words because nobody was there taping it. But it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in English? And then in Aramaic, we have the exact words. It says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Why in that one place where there are so much diversity in what the words are, is it so important to have the exact Words. There's something really interesting going on there. And if you've got one of those cool Bibles with footnotes, and if you don't, you should, it says Jesus is quoting the beginning of the 22nd Psalm. And if you flip back, 
That's the exact first words of the 22nd Psalm. And it's something that everybody in that crowd would have known, just like you know the words to Surfing USA or Despacito, which I don't even know the words to, or something. That was a bad example. How about this? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. You know it. Even if I got to work for it, you know it. Because you've been practicing it your whole life. And this is in an age before Netflix. This is something that everyone in that crowd would have known by heart. The 22nd Psalm, they would have known it. Because it was something that they got in Sunday school or I guess Friday night school. They would have gotten over and over again. And so if you flip back and you look at the 22nd Psalm, it starts really bleak. The psalmist says everything's pretty bad and I feel like I'm surrounded on all sides and I feel like I got nothing left and I feel like everything is wrong. But then you get about halfway through and he says, but I know better. I know that God is God and I don't care how it looks on the outside because what I have on the inside is bigger. And apparently this is what it has taken for me to let go of my ego expectation. And okay, God, I got it. You're God. And it's going to be okay. And do you see that that's like Jesus saying, guys, don't you remember it's like that time back in the Psalms? This is not a moment of doubt. This is a moment of reminding people that, you know what? When you are in a moment where it doesn't look like things work out, What is called upon is not to wallow in that, but instead what is called upon is for you to make a declaration of faith. Whatever it takes for you, whatever that looks like, and sometimes it looks like, okay, I give up, God, you got this. Jesus, take the wheel, whatever it is, that's fine. Start where you start. Because I'm not a mathematician, but I'm pretty sure that after 22 comes 23, it's not a Michael Jordan reference, instead... The 23rd Psalm is one I know you've heard. And the people in that crowd would have known it by heart. You know the one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want that one. And think about that. Here's what happens. 22 leads to 23. And I think that you should read both of them together. What happens is in 22, I've made this outer declaration of faith because I give up. And in 23, the psalmist says, look... I got this. I remember now. I'm not saying that everything is easy. There's still stuff to do. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I walk. I move forward because I know who I am. Thy rod and thy staff, your traveling stuff, comfort me. I've got things to do, but I can do them. And in fact, when I know who I am, when I make a declaration of faith, I get a confirmation of faith. My cup runneth over. And everybody in that crowd would have known what that meant. And everybody in this room and everybody watching, what I want you to know is if you feel like you're in trouble, find a way to stand up for your faith. Find a way to say, okay, God, you got this. And I promise you will have something come through for you to the degree that you stick to it. Because that's what God has wanted for you all along. That's what God has wanted for you all along. That might be a different idea because I don't know where you went to church, but sometimes Easter is a time when people are supposed to feel real guilty about stuff. Look what you did. Wait till your father comes home. For some people, the whole Easter thing is like some weird Liam Neeson movie where there's like a kidnapping plot and there's ransom and there's blackmail. 
And for those people, the Lord's Prayer is like, Our Father who art in heaven, I have a very specific set of skills, or something like that. But it doesn't line up. I mean, first of all, first of all, if you've read the story of Abraham and Isaac, you know God's not real big into child sacrifice. He doesn't do that kind of thing. But the numbers don't even add up because it's like, okay, God made everybody and said good and very good, but also he doesn't like people very much, and so he's going to send his one kid who he really likes over there, and he's going to, they're going to just really clobber him, but then God's going to really beat him up, and if God can really beat him up, then it's really going to be okay for all those other people if we feel bad about it. Oh, okay, as long as we feel bad about it. It doesn't really add up for me. More than that, Jesus has said, look, guys, it's going to be okay Easter morning. Jesus knows about Easter. God knows about Easter. So where's the sacrifice? It's not for Jesus, and it's not for God. It's for you and me. And as I said, this is an educational opportunity. And I said it before, but it bears repetition. This is the thing I want you to remember. Unless and until we learn from Easter morning, life is going to feel like a series of crucifixions. But you're allowed to do it differently. To those people, I would say, why do you need to believe that God doesn't like you? Where's that written? Because if you read your Bible, you have that good and very good part. You have that salt and light part. You have the, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. You have that our father part. You have those things that I say every single week because it bears repetition. You are amazing. Except not so amazing, are you? I'm not surprised anymore. There's something beautiful about you, and it shows when you show up here. Find ways to show it somewhere else. That's how all of this works. When Jesus died, the Bible says that there was earthquakes and cataclysms and fires and the whole deal. You can imagine the Irwin Allen disaster movie, kind of a sequence with the earthquakes and all of the stuff. Charlton Heston is there, and O.J. Simpson is there, and they got to climb off a thing. You know, it's like that level of stuff. And I love the fact that it goes earthquakes, fire, and the veil of the temple was rent asunder. Now, do you know what that is, what the veil of the temple is? It sounds architectural, like it's something made of stone. It's a curtain. I love the idea that there's earthquakes and fire, and also my curtains fell down. <laughs> That's so funny. All of my TV trays were knocked over and I spilled my soda. What is that? But as it turns out, there's something really important going on and there's a reason why that was brought out. Because you see in the temple, there's a special room in the back where nobody's allowed to go and there's this curtain. This is the veil. There's this thick curtain and nobody's allowed to go in there because the idea is God lives in there. God's clubhouse, no girls allowed. Nobody allowed, in fact. And once a year, not everybody, but just the high priest gets to go back there and atone for everybody's sins. Once a year, you get to be okay. Because one special person gets to go in one special place that nobody else is allowed to go. But the idea, and here's the thing. The idea is after Easter, the curtain is gone. After Easter, the barrier is gone. After Easter, we can approach God on our own with confidence. That's the miracle. No more barriers. And that also means it's on you. You want this to work. Own it. Stand up for it. Maybe sometimes fight for it. Love for it. Live for it. 
the curtain is rent asunder. It sounds a little like Wizard of Oz, but we've been telling those stories our whole lives. Wizard of Oz wasn't successful because it was innovative. It was successful because it was ancient. This is a story that you've been telling your whole life. This is a song that your heart knows better than the lyrics to Happy Birthday. It's your birthday. You know that all your life something's been calling you. It's time to listen. You know that all your life something has been urging you. This is the same voice that upon your creation, the essence of you said, you are my child in whom I am well pleased, good and very good. This life is calling you. Life can't be lost any more than God can be lost. We can turn away sometimes, but we can turn back. Yeah, I know sometimes things are rough. But he died. And he lived. Things can be rough. But Sunday morning is here. And it's time for you to be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this Sunday lesson and also for taking the time to apply this in your life. Listening to the service and participating in that way is just half of the equation. The other half, and in some ways the most important half, is what you do about it. So I'm so grateful that we're hearing so many good things from people who are applying these principles in their lives to make their lives better and in some way to make their world better. And with that in mind, I want to remind you that this Easter series of lessons has all kinds of special things you can do to get ready for Easter, to get done with the stuff that you've been waiting so long to get done with, and to move into a life that works for everybody. And to do that, we've been uh, allowing all kinds of extra stuff, not just the Sunday morning lesson, but we've got activities for you to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. To find out more about these things and their simple steps that you can apply in just a few minutes that's going to turbocharge your healing and growth process. It's going to really be impactful in your life in all kinds of ways. To find out more about that, please follow us on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. YouTube and so on, please find out about what you can do. Or just send me an email at info at waterandstonechurch.com. Check out our website, waterandstonechurch.com, to find out more about the amazing things that are going on that are going to make an amazing difference in your life. As always, if you want to help support what we're doing, uh, all you got to do is visit waterandstonechurch.com slash donate. There's all kinds of ways you can give electronically or you can shop at Amazon in such a way that it benefits the church. We've got an Amazon wish list of all kinds of stuff that's going to help us do what we want to do. And the last thing on that page is what I want to be the first thing in your heart, and that is to support this church. The best things you can do are show up, and help spread the word. So if this has made a difference in your life today, I hope you'll tell somebody else about it too. We're here for you at Water and Stone. Let us know how it goes for you. Have a great, amazing day.